Okay, it's good to see all of you here this morning. Um, today we're out of our series, and so it became the perfect time uh, for me to focus on the prodigal son's older, or I'll call him the other brother. Uh, in my 48 years of ministry, I've heard very little about the other brother. Uh, as a matter of fact, I, I have never heard an entire sermon centered uh, around him. Craig and I even studied the prodigal or the lost son back in January and the first Sunday in February uh, when we presented uh, the series, Finding Your Way Back to God. At that time, several of you asked me um, when we were going to study the older brother. Even my number two son, uh, Ken Hoke there, uh, approached me after or during that series and asked me, um, you know, when I was going to preach on the older brother. And so I looked at the preaching schedule and it's like, oh, okay, first Sunday in May, I'm preaching out of series, so I can do it then. So here we are. I want you to keep in mind that what we're dealing with here is a parable um, and not an actual story about a real family. And so even in literary circles, this story is considered the perfect short story. Now, ladies, I've probably uh, already turned you off because I'm going to preach on the older brother. This is a male. It says nothing about females. Okay, now that I've turned you off, let me turn you back on. Um, this message is not just for men. It's not just even about men. It has a greater meaning an application that certainly includes you. And so let's take a look at our text. Now, there has just been a reunion of the father and his youngest lost son. Luke chapter 15, beginning with verse 22. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet, and kill the calf that we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast, for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house, and he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, All these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to do. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. His father said to him, Look, dear son, you have always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. 
Now, all of us can relate to the younger brother. Most of us can also relate to the other or older brother. Now, I think we need to take a look at the background of the lost son and the other brother. Now, since this is a parable, which is an earthly story with a heavenly or spiritual meaning, let us see who the key players are in the story. Now, for that, we have to go back to the beginning of chapter 15. Verses 1 and 2 read like this. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of, of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. Now, it was the scenario that played out in front of Jesus that motivated his response to the religious elite of his day. Now, the father in the, the parable certainly represented God. He possessed, all, let's say, all the characteristics of God. The younger brother represented the publicans and sinners. The other or older brother represented the scribes and Pharisees. Now, it's a fact that Jesus liked to hang out with sinners. Therefore, Jesus must be a sinner. You know, birds of a feather flock together. Um, and if you lie down with dogs, uh, you will get up with fleas. You know their reasoning because we use it frequently. The religious leaders thought Jesus' actions disgraceful considering who he claimed to be. You know, how could this be the Son of God? But in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, Jesus said, For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. So we find Jesus was crystal clear from the beginning of his ministry, establishing what his purpose was, why he came to earth. On one occasion, he even said, the healthy do not need a doctor. It's sick people who need a healer. Uh, by eating with sinners, he showed them and everyone else that he did not despise or overlook sinners. So Jesus told three parables in this setting to illustrate the worth of lost people to God. So the first was the parable of the lost sheep. Now, sheep is a word like seed. Uh, it can be singular or it can be plural, uh, depending on the context. In this context, it is singular, and we read this in verses 4 through 7, this parable. So any good shepherd who had 100 sheep would leave the 99 sheep who were safe in the fold to go out and to save the one wayward sheep which had gotten lost. That was expected. When the lost sheep was found, there would be a celebration with friends and neighbors because the lost sheep was found. Now, Jesus then made the application of the story that there would be even more 
rejoicing or celebration in heaven over one sinner uh, who repents than over the 99 righteous people who did not need to repent. But think about it. Roll back. Each one of these 99 people at some point would have been lost, and so they repented and drew near to God in the process. So the fact is that this had happened, and in reality, Jesus was not talking about sheep. Then the second parable was that of the lost coin. It's found in verses 8 through 10. Jesus said there was a woman who had 10 silver coins, but she had lost one. Well, of course, she turned her house upside down until she located that one lost coin. Then she invited her friends and neighbors to come and celebrate with her the discovery of her lost silver coin. Now, once again, Jesus made the application that there would be rejoicing in the presence of the angels in heaven over one sinner who would repent and, once again, he was not talking about coins in the parable. He was talking about people. Okay, so when do you stop and think about your health? Um, is it during that phase of your life where you're well? Or do you really begin to focus on the issue of health uh, when something happens, uh, when a disease or an illness strikes you? You know, you and I both don't really think about good health until we lose it. So then after cancer treatment, be it radiation and or chemo, we feel like celebrating when the doctor says that we are in remission or that we're cancer-free. Whenever we lose something important to us, it becomes more important than all of our worldly possessions. And so that is where we focus. Okay, so let's take a look at the lost or prodigal son. I call this part one. It's part one of what I'm trying to get across to you today. It's verses 11 uh, through uh, 20 or 32. It's the, the entire parable. I mentioned the fact that Jesus told three parables to emphasize the value of lost people to God. Well, the third parable was the lost, or we generally call him the prodigal son. Now, Craig and I spent five weeks at the beginning of the year talking about the lost son, but many of you weren't here then, uh, and a number of you are kind of like me. Uh, you forget the details. Uh, so I'll, I'll mention the highlights of the first part of that parable. Now, the younger son announced his intentions to leave home and to go out on his own. Now, like many young people today, he was going through a stage of rebellion. Uh, maybe he didn't like the rules, or maybe it was farm life, um, that he despised, but whatever the reason, he determined to leave home. Now, the younger son requested that his father divide the estate and give him his share. Now, in Jewish culture, the older son would always receive a double portion of the inheritance. 
So in this case, there were two sons. And so the younger son would receive one-third of the father's estate, while the older son would receive two-thirds of the father's estate. Now, we think this request was kind of unreasonable, but it really wasn't unreasonable in light of the fact that he was moving away, presumably, to never return. He left and wasted his inheritance. He ran through all of his money, and as it always seems to work out, a famine hit the land. He went to work for a pig farmer. He was so hungry, he would have gladly shared the pig's food. He was famished. Okay, let's pick up with verse 17. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and I will say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home uh, to his father. Now, I know most of you are adults. We have a few children here, but most of you are adults, and so you're out of school. And the one thing I know that you miss about school is test. So I was thinking you'd probably appreciate a, a short test today. So I have, I have three questions for you. Uh, it's, it's an easy form of testing. Um, it's multiple choice. That's the technical term. My brother, Denny, he always called it pick a winner. So, and that's, that's a good description. So uh, you pick a winner. It's in your outline. All three of them are in your outline. So you can look at those and I suggest you study them and Figure out which one you think is the best answer. Okay? So, first of all, what did the younger brother deserve? I want you to pick the best answer. I'm going to go through all four of them. You think about it. To have his father's wealth redistributed. Okay? He received a third. Now it's all gone. He came back home. And so... Divide it into three parts once again. Okay, redistribution. Okay, that's one possibility. Number two, to be restored in the relationship with his father as a son. Is that what he deserved? Uh, number three, to become a servant in the father's household. Or number four, total rejection. Eternity in hell. Okay, which is the best answer? Okay, how many of you say number four? Let me see your hand. Oh, wow. Okay, first service did much better. Okay, well, number four is the best answer. Now, I know that seems pretty severe, doesn't it? You know, total rejection. Go to hell? Okay. The first answer, to have his father's health redistributed, I call that Alice in Wonderland. Okay, yeah, Alice Wonderland is just ahead. Um, the second is what actually happened. Okay, I call that grace. The father showed 
the younger son, grace. So he was totally restored. The third, to become a servant in the father's household, that's bargaining, and that's what he tried to do. That's what, that's what he wanted. That was, that was the solution that he presented his father. But he deserved total rejection. Now, you may have some doubts about me and whether I'm right. Hang on. I'll show you. Okay, so as I said, the son received grace. Uh, Verse 20, the last part of the verse. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. So the lost son's father showered him with grace. But you know what? He knew when to do it. Today, in our culture, a lot of times we offer grace too soon. And what happens is there is no restoration. And so it just drags on and on until the lost son truly repents and then presents himself to the father. Well, the text says that the father ran. Now, that was, that's really unusual. Fathers didn't do that in um, Eastern culture. It was unheard of. Uh, they didn't run, and, and they rarely showed any kind of emotion. But here, the father uh, took the initiative, and before the, the son even got any words out of his mouth, the father expressed words of acceptance and reconciliation. Now, I told you, the lost son deserved total rejection. Now, think about it. Um, He blew it. He had his chance. He was given one-third of the father's total net worth. Plenty to get started in life, but he blew it. Romans 3.23. Now you're going to start to see where I'm coming from. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. And then chapter 6, verse 23, for the wages, the payment of sin is death. Death means separation. Separation from God. Separation from God is hell. The wages of sin, the younger brother, we all would admit, sinned. Sinned a lot. Worthy of death, worthy of separation from God. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. We're going to commemorate that when we take the the Lord's Supper at the end of the service. So the Father ordered that a celebration begin in honor of the return of the lost son. Let the party begin. Well, the main entree was beef. It was not chicken. It was not mutton. Uh, Notice the result of parable number three is the same as the other two parables, but with one exception. The first parable dealt with sheep. The second parable dealt with a silver coin. And this parable deals with a person, a human being, created in the image of God. And all humans possess this God-likeness. 
Now, though not mentioned here in the text, I'm certain that there was rejoicing in heaven because this lost son had repented uh, like the other two parables and what Jesus said in the application. Okay, so let's, let's talk about the other brother's reaction. Verses 25 through 28. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house, and he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told, and your father's killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The other brother was angry and wouldn't go in. The father came out and begged him. Now, here's your second question of your test. Oh, you're not going to be graded on this test. So let me relieve the pressure here. Okay, was the older, why was the older brother angry? Now, once again, I want you to pick the best answer. Okay, because his younger brother had come home, he thought his father's estate might be redistributed. That is, okay, he lost his third, so the two-thirds remains. Okay, are they going to mix it up and, and divide it in three again and give him a third? I mean, as a matter of fact, the, the father killing the fattened calf uh, was possession of the older or the other brother because everything that was left was his. Um, number three, because his father did not consult him about the party. Was that why he was angry? Um, the best reason. Um, or he was jealous because his father immediately accepted the lost younger brother, but had never publicly recognized him for his many years of faithful service. Now, how many of you would say the, the best answer is number four? Here, You're getting better, okay? Maybe you're catching on to my form of testing here. Okay, now, this one is a little tricky in the way that it's worded. Third question, final question, what did the other brother not accomplish by not going to the party? So what did he fail to accomplish by not going to the party? Pick the best answer. Number one, he prevented the party from taking place. Two, he was making a statement of displeasure with his father's actions. Number three, he had written his lost brother off and wanted to have nothing to do with him. Number four, he wanted public recognition for doing what was his duty to do. How many of you selected number one? Okay, I see some uncertainty here. Okay, number one's the best answer. He didn't stop the party. That's, that's, the, that's the only thing that he did not accomplish. He didn't stop the party. In fact, you know, he was making a statement of displeasure, what he said to the father. Um, and he had written his lost brother off and didn't want to have anything to do with him. And he wanted public recognition. Okay, that's the one that maybe the rest of you voted for or would have voted for. But um, 
he, he did make that statement with the father and somewhat public because servants would have been around as well as the father. Okay, here's the important part. What does the account of the other brother have to do with you and me? Okay, most of this is not in your outline, so you're going to have to pay attention to me. Not look at your outline because it's not there. Um, all of us have been, or maybe even still are, the lost brother. Um, you know, it depends on your relationship with Christ, and I don't know what your relationship is with Christ. Uh, you have to uh, evaluate yourself and where you are in that relationship. Most of us, after our reconciliation with the Father, or, you know, we'll talk about that as when we're saved, salvation, will exhibit some of the characteristics that we see in the other brother. Okay, the other brother's immediate reaction to his father's explanation, I'm going to read the verse, verse 29, you'll notice that I have... Um, made bold some words in this verse uh, to emphasize their significance. But he replied, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing that you told me to do. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Now, did you notice all those pronouns are personal? I, me, my, my. They're personal. Okay, let's talk about other brother issues that we sometimes allow to impact our lives. In other words, ways that we are sometimes like the older brother. Okay, one is a lack of love for the lost. Did it surprise you or astound you that the old, older or other brother didn't want to have anything to do with his younger brother? It's like he'd written him off. He wasn't willing to forgive. He wasn't willing to accept him back. He wasn't glad to see him. He wasn't glad to know that he's okay. Sometimes we don't care about the lost. You're going to think, oh yeah, I do. How many of them did you recently invite to church or talk to about their relationship with Jesus. I'm going to guess not many of us have done that. So do we really care? When a new person is sitting in your seat on Sunday morning, do you ask or want to ask them to move, find another seat. Jealousy. There's a jealousy issue here. Jealousy will create a bad or negative attitude. The older brother had an issue of comparing his life experience with the life experience of his younger lost brother. It was clear in his mind that he was better than his younger brother. 
You know, he had been faithful to his father all these years. The younger brother, he had blown his inheritance. You know, we sometimes develop bad attitudes about church leaders, about church policies, or about other people in church because of some petty reason. You know, it's kind of like, well, if so-and-so is going to be saved and, and they're going to go to my church, then I'm staying home and I'm going to go to hell. Stupid. It won't take you very long standing before God to realize, hey, that was stupid. But then it's too late. It's too late. Three, it's not all about you. Now, the older brother, he thought it was all about him. All those words that I emphasized in that last text that we read, they all showed that he thought everything was about him. He had done all the right things, made all the right choices, and in reality, he was the perfect son. The other brother was pouting. He deserved his father's recognition and accolades. But his younger, sinful, lost brother was getting the party. I was not okay with him. Is it possible to do the right things for the wrong reasons? Go ahead. You can nod your heads. Yes. It's possible to do the right things for the wrong reasons. Is it possible to do good deeds for the wrong reasons? <laughs> yes. You know, people do good deeds. They'll do good works to try to earn salvation instead of doing good deeds because we have been saved. An expression of gratitude for what God has done. But now listen, be careful. Don't confuse obedience. And I hear people do this all the time. Don't confuse obedience and good works or good deeds. They're not the same. Commands of God exist for one reason and one reason alone. That's to be obeyed. And so anytime God gives us a command, it's not a work if we do it. It's not a deed if we do it. It is obedience. Now, number four, lack of forgiveness toward those who have sinned against you. It was also an issue with the older brother, the other brother. So the other brother had to make a comparison to his lost brother wasting his inheritance, and he was very specific. He said, on prostitutes, while he faithfully served their father... Now, I'm going to imagine that in the future, and we don't have more of this story, but I'm going to imagine in the future um, that he would have thrown it up to his, to his younger brother. He would have, you know, rubbed his face in it, the fact that he wasted his money on prostitutes while he faithfully served their father. You know, when people have lied to us, when they have stolen from us, when they have cheated us, abused us physically, sexually, verbally, taken, taken advantage of us, 
we have extreme difficulty in forgiving them, and many times we do not, but that's the right thing, that's the expected thing, that's what the Father or God did in this parable, and that's what God is going to do and wants to do today. Well, number five, and you'll probably remember this one because it's real spiritual, people cannot unscramble an egg. Yeah, you remember reading about that in the Bible, right? You cannot unscramble an egg. Now, the other brother could not expect his younger lost brother to be able to undo all the awful things he had done. Just like we can't undo many of our sins. Now, there are some that, you know, you can kind of make up for and that sort of thing, but there, there are a number that that you cannot undo. For instance, you cannot get your virginity back after you've given it away to someone other than your spouse. Never happened. Can't do it. Uh, number, number two, um, you cannot give life back to a person that you've murdered. You can't do it. Or, a baby that you have aborted. Can't do it. Impossible. The only recourse is to seek forgiveness and restoration. And that's what God wants. He want, God doesn't want to punish us. He wants to forgive us. God wants us to be restored. And he doesn't want us to be like the older brother and constantly throw these things up in other people's faces. He wants us to be like him, to forgive and restore. Two of my best friends smoked most of their lives but quit later in life. Now, they were like brothers to me. A lot of you will be able to figure out who I'm talking about. But Fortunately for me, I was their pastor. I got to go with them to the hospital and even take them to advanced experimental treatment, one to the University of Virginia, Charlottesville, and the other to Johns Hopkins in Baltimore. Both of them wished they could unscramble the egg. But it was and is still today impossible. Did I want to reprimand them for smoking like the other brother in our text? No. I wished they had not smoked. I wished they were not in the situation that they were in, but they did. What did I want? I wanted God to heal them. I wanted them to have that right relationship with the Father. At that point, the relationship with God was what was important. And they both sought restoration with the Father, just like the lost son. Now here's what you need to remember. Number one, you need to remember that the Father in the parable represented God. He possessed the characteristics of God. Now the younger brother represented the publicans and sinners. The other brother or the older brother 
represented the scribes and Pharisees. If you are like the younger lost brother today, heaven is anxious to rejoice over you coming home to the Father. But for the rest of us, we need to remember that all the while Satan is doing his best to get us to develop the characteristics of the other brother. Now, you know what your situation is today. You know what your needs are today. Based on your needs, we would invite you to respond. You can accept Jesus today. Um, you can come and we'll be glad to pray with you. You can be restored in your relationship with God. Uh, you can become a member of the church here at New Life. Um, whatever you can do as we stand and sing our song of decision.